Chapter Two of Peggy Raymond's Vacation, or Friendly Terrace Transplanted, by Harriet Lemis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, A Cottage Rechristened. The stage creaked up the slope. The four horses, sedate enough during the long drive, wound up with a flourish. The off-leader prancing, and all four making that final exhibition of untamed spirit which is the stage-driver's secret and from the body of the vehicle arose a chorus of voices is this it oh girls this can't really be it the stage-driver took it on himself to answer the question you asked for leighton's place and this here's it now if you want something else all you've got to do is say so he folded his arms with the air of being only too well accustomed to the vagaries of city people an implication which his passengers were too elated to notice they scrambled out not waiting for his assistance peggy first extending a hand to aunt abigail who waved it briskly aside and jumped off the steps like a girl her bright dark eyes she never used spectacles except for reading twinkled gaily and her cheeks criss-crossed with innumerable fine wrinkles were as rosy as winter apples dorothy followed aunt abigail flinging herself headlong into peggy's extended arms and then wriggling free to satisfy herself as to what the country was like as well as to scan the landscape for a possible bear the others crowded after and the stage-driver relenting began to throw off the trunks the leighton cottage was a rambling structure suggesting a series of architectural afterthoughts its location could hardly have been surpassed for it stood on a rise of ground so that in any direction one looked across fertile valleys to encircling hills a porch ran about three sides of the house shaded here and there by vines in spite of a certain look of neglect emphasized by the straggling branches of the untrimmed vines and the cobwebs everywhere visible its appearance was distinctly prepossessing going to get these doors open any time to-day asked the stage-driver apparently struggling for resignation the keys aunt abigail amy cried bless you child i haven't any keys the old lady answered then with no apparent loss of serenity oh yes i do i remember that you handed them to me but i haven't an idea where they are now the girls looked reproachfully at amy after having set forth the peculiarities of her relative in such detail she should have known better than to have entrusted her with anything as important as keys but clearly it was no time for recrimination and after a moment all of them were following peggy's example and hastily examining the various articles of hand luggage which contain aunt abigail's belongings owing to the old lady's habitual forgetfulness these were numerous for the articles which had been left out when her trunk was packed had made the journey in shawl straps and large pasteboard boxes just as every one had become thoroughly convinced that the keys had been left behind in friendly terrace dorothy made a discovery i hear bells she announced dreamily little tinkly bells like fairies aunt abigail jumped and this time everybody's ears were sharp enough to hear the fairy-like chime of course cried aunt abigail beaming they're in my pocket i told my dressmaker that if i was the only woman in the united states to boast a pocket i wouldn't be satisfied without one i will say for her though that she located it in the most inaccessible place she could possibly have chosen girls come and help me find it aunt abigail stood resignedly while a group of girls made a rush like hounds attacking a stag 
the pocket was located without much difficulty though some valuable time was expended in finding the opening at last the keys were produced in triumph the front door was unlocked and the stage driver grunting disdainfully carried in the trunks indoors the cottage lived up to the promise of its exterior the front door opened into a big living-room furnished comfortably though simply and with a large brick fireplace at one end beyond this were the dining-room and kitchen with store-room and pantry and a long woodshed running off to one side the second floor consisted of a number of small bedrooms each with just enough in the way of furnishings to provide for the comfort of the occupants without adding to housekeeping cares from this story a staircase of ladder-like steepness led up to an unfinished garret empty except for a few pieces of dilapidated furniture and sundry piles of magazines and paper-covered books which had undoubtedly contributed to the entertainment of the cottagers in past seasons thanks to an early start it was little past noon when the arrivals from friendly terrace took possession luncheon was in order the dust of the winter having been removed from the dining-table various alluring pasteboard boxes were placed upon it and seven hungry people ranged themselves in expectant rows the piles of sandwiches melted away as if by magic and as they disappeared the rooms silent for so long echoed to the whole-hearted laughter which is the best of all aids to digestion the meal over the trunks were ransacked for old dresses gingham aprons and sweeping caps and under peggy's leadership the girls fell to work now we'll divide up so as not to get in each other's way priscilla suppose you and claire take the upstairs room ruth and i will start here in the living-room and amy where is amy anyway amy's sudden appearance in the doorway was the signal for a general shriek of protest the evening before her father had presented her with a kodak which she now pointed toward the group of girls in their housemaid's uniforms with the air of a hold-up man demanding one's money or one's life oh please don't cried claire cowering and hiding her face she wore her gingham apron with an unaccustomed air and had looked askance at the sweeping cap before she had followed the example of the other girls and pulled it over her soft brown hair please don't take my picture she implored in a doleful whimper i look like such a fright oh do stand in a row with your brooms and mops over your shoulders pleaded amy you look perfectly dear and so picturesque peggy perceived that claire's consternation was real and sternly checked her friend amy lassell put that camera away and get to work it will be time enough to take pictures when this house is fit to sleep in by four o'clock at least a superficial order had been secured the fresh breezes blowing from the windows on all sides had aided the efforts of the girl housekeepers in banishing dust and mustiness and they were ready to wait another day for the luxury of clean windows by this time too most of the girls were frankly sleepy for the prospect of an early start had interfered seriously with the night's rest of some of them and the freshly aired newly made beds presented an irresistible temptation the indefatigable peggy however emerging from the wash-bowl as glowing as a rose scorned the suggestion of a nap couldn't think of wasting this gorgeous afternoon that way i'm going over to the farmhouse that mrs leighton spoke of and make arrangements about eggs butter milk and all that sort of thing and vegetables too exclaimed amy with surprising animation considering that she was in the middle of a tremendous yawn yes of course and girls if the farmer's wife will make our bread i think it will be lots more sensible to buy it of her than to bother with baking oh you fix things up just as you think best exclaimed priscilla the rest of us will stand by whatever you agree to 
a drowsy murmur of corroboration went the rounds and peggy making open mock of them all for the company of sleepy-heads went blithely on her way toward the particular column of smoke which she felt sure was issuing from the chimney of the coal farmhouse a very comfortable pleasant farmhouse it was though quite eclipsed by the big red barn which loomed up in the background something in the appearance of the front door suggested to peggy that it was not intended for daily use and she made her way around to the side and knocked a child not far from dorothy's age with straight black hair and elfish eyes opened the door looked her over and shrieked a staccato summons rosetta rosetta muriel well what do you want demanded a rather querulous voice and at the end of the hall appeared the figure of a slender girl her abundant yellow hair brought down over her forehead to the eyebrows and tied in place by a blue ribbon looped up at one side in a flaunting bow her frock of cheap blue silk was made in the extreme of the mode and as she rustled forward peggy found herself thinking that she was as unlike as possible to her preconceived ideas of a farmer's daughter as for rosetta muriel she looked peggy over with the unspoken thought well i'd like to know if she calls them city styles peggy in a two-year-old gingham quite unaware that her appearance was disappointing cheerfully explained her errand and was invited to walk in mrs cole a stout motherly woman readily agreed to supply the party at the cottage with the necessary provisions including bread twice a week and having dispatched the business which concerned the crowd peggy broached a little private enterprise of her own mrs cole i thought i'd like to try my luck at raising some chickens this summer just in a very small way of course she added reading doubt in the eyes of the farmer's wife if you'll sell me an old hen and a setting of eggs that will be enough for the first season tisn't an extra good time you know said mrs cole pretty nearly july but if you'd like to try it i dare say we've got some hens that want to set the old yellow hen's a-settin exclaimed the little girl who had listened with greedy interest to every word of the conversation rosetta muriel looked wearily out of the window as if she found herself bored by the choice of topics yes seems to me i did hear your pa say something about the old yellow wanting to set and him trying to break it up he drove her out of the woodshed three times to-day said the little girl and joe tried to throw water on her but she flew off a-squawking and joe splashed the water over himself she broke into a delighted giggle at the recollection of joe's discomfiture and peggy smiled in sympathy with her evident enjoyment peggy's heart was tender to all children and this small communicative creature was so nearly dorothy's size as to appeal to her especially i think you are about the age of my little niece said peggy in her usual friendly fashion you must come to play with her some day you see she is the only little girl among a lot of big ones and she might get lonely i'll come along with you this afternoon said the child readily whereat rosetta muriel uttered a horrified gasp and her mother hastily interposed annie cole you won't do any such things folks that snap up invitations like a chicken does a grasshopper ain't going to be asked out very often it was arranged that peggy should carry home a basket of provisions for the evening meal and that joe should come over in the morning with a larger supply bringing at the same time the yellow hen who was desirous of assuming the cares of a family during the discussion of these practical matters rosetta muriel had maintained a disdainful silence but when mrs cole went to pack a basket the daughter for the first time took an active part in the conversation i guess you'll find it pretty dull up here 
and with no moving picture shows nor nothing peggy disclaimed the idea in haste dull i think it's perfectly lovely i couldn't think of missing anything up here except folks you know moving pictures ain't any rarity to me said rosetta muriel trying to appear sophisticated i've seen em lots of times but i get awfully tired of the country i've got a friend who clerks in a store in your town maybe you know her her name's cummings gladys cummings peggy had never met miss cummings and said so rosetta muriel went on with her description it's an awful stylish store where she works case and rosenstein's and gladys she's awfully stylish too she looks as if she'd just stepped out of a fashion plate and something in her reflection suggested to peggy that from rosetta muriel's standpoint she had failed to live up to her opportunities certainly in a gingham frock two seasons old and faded by frequent washings peggy did not remotely suggest those large-eyed ladies of willowy figure so seldom met with outside the sheets of fashion periodicals i'll be glad to call on you some day soon said rosetta muriel following peggy to the door and peggy basket in hand assured her that she would be welcome and so made her escape the air was sweet with myriad unfamiliar fragrances over in the west the cloudless blue of the sky was streaked with bands of pink peggy reached the road guiltless of sidewalks and winding according to specifications and broke into a little song as she walked along its dusty edge such a beautiful world as it was and such a beautiful summer as it was going to be if i couldn't sing exclaimed peggy breaking off in the middle of her refrain i believe i should burst something rustled the grass behind her and she turned her head a gaunt dog of no particular breed had been following her stealthily but at her movement he stopped short apparently ready to take to flight at any indication of hostility on her part he was by no means a handsome animal but his big yellowish-brown eyes had the look of pathetic appeal which is the badge of the homeless whether dogs or men that hunted look and a little propitiating wag of the tail which was not so much a wag as a suggestion of what he might do if encouraged went to peggy's heart poor fellow she exclaimed and the mischief was done instantly the dog had classified her she was not the stone-throwing sort of person who said get out he bounded forward and pressed his head against her so insinuatingly that peggy found it impossible not to pat it then gave a little expressive whimper and fell back at her heels whenever peggy looked behind during the remainder of her walk he was following as closely and almost as silently as a shadow peggy had the time to get supper preparations well under way before the other girls made their appearance pink and drowsy-eyed after their long naps priscilla was the first to come down and she started at the sight of the tawny body stretched upon the doorstep mercy peggy what's that it's a dog poor thing and the thinnest beast i ever imagined i hope you haven't been giving him anything to eat peggy the flush in peggy's cheeks was undoubtedly due to the heat of a blazing wood fire i guess we won't miss a few dried-up sandwiches she said with spirit oh it isn't that it's only that if you feed him we'll never get rid of him doesn't he look dirty though like a regular tramp the other girls slipped down one by one and if there were any truth in the saying that many cooks spoil the broth peggy's anticipations for the supper she had planned would never have been realized the meal was almost ready to be put on the table when amy appeared demanding anxiously what she should do to help we really don't need you a mite peggy assured with a laugh but i'd hate to disappoint such industry 
come here and stir this milk gravy so it won't burn amy moved to her post of duty without any unbecoming alacrity i'm not as industrious she retorted and i don't want to be i intend to work when you girls make me and that's all this is my vacation and i'm going to use it recuperating i really can't see the need myself claire whispered to priscilla but priscilla did not return her smile amy's plumpness was a joke which amy enjoyed as well as anybody but claire's covered whisper seemed to put another face on it priscilla bent over a loaf of bread on the board and sliced away with an impassive face and that reminds me continued amy cheerfully that i feel like renaming this cottage for the season mrs leighton wouldn't care what we called it why i think sweetbriar cottage is a beautiful name claire protested i think so too but it's too dressy to suit my ideas i'm sure i never could live up to it say girls i move we call it do little cottage and in spite of claire's manifest disapproval the motion was carried End of chapter two